the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good morning, everybody. This is Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. I'm coming at you on AM860, The Answer. And I am on the Internet, live worldwide, 9 to 10 a.m. every Sunday morning. And you can go to my website, drbillradiomd.com, click Listen Live, or you can go to the station's website, am860theanswer.com, and click Listen Live, and you can hear me anywhere in the world if you have a computer and a headset. We are an iHeart station, oh boy, so you can listen to me on your smartphone, and we are interactive talk radio, so you can join me at any time, 877-969-8600, 877-969-8600, and I am just delighted to be with you this morning. I worked on the show, did a lot of research, and I've got two topics I want to talk about. First is the, quote, quote, decrease in life expectancy in the United States, uh, according to the CDC. And I'll go into that a little bit. That's kind of a a phony baloney thing, but uh, we'll talk about it anyway. And then I want to talk about uh, false accusations and rumors in the workplace and how we can handle that and what we can do. And I'll give you a little background on that as we go along, too. I had a little incident at, at the uh, old hospital this week. So I uh, I think that we've got a lot of material here this morning. And uh, are you are you with me, Ken? Are you on, bud? I am on board with you, sir. Whatever oh, you right. want to get to, I'm eager to get to it. Good. And Ken did not get his flu shot <laughs> yet, everybody. So I want you guys out there to get yours and bring a dose over to the station. And let's get everybody over there. Uh, <laughs> so we... We don't want to decrease or the more increase the mortality rate and decrease life expectancy. I mean, it looks bad, you know. I'm hoping we this week. To. I'm hoping this week, Doc. You're, what do you mean you're hoping? I'm can, hoping. It's a busy stop lifestyle, at a, you know. Stop at a drugstore. You can go to a Walgreens or a CVS. True, I'll yeah. give it to you for free. All right. I'll get it done this week. You better, bud. I will. I promise. Because I can't have you sick and, and out in the middle of the, of the winter when we're that's in right. our high Pe- season. People depend oh, on me. Exactly. That's right. And by the way, I'm headed up to Toronto this week, you guys. I'm going to uh, do a little uh, do a little trading with the natives up there, the the Canadians in uh, in Toronto, and uh, I'm going to meet with Prior Smith, who, as you may or may not know, has a news show every day during the season. Uh, the season being when the snowbirds, the Canadians, and the Northern Americans come down to Florida and, and nest for the winter. And he has a five-minute news show every uh, every day on this channel, actually. Uh, good guy. And we're going to meet and chit-chat, have lunch, and and plan some ads and so on and so forth. And then I'm going to go to the cystic fibrosis uh, ball, the gala, that some friends of mine are the sponsors of uh, for the 
province of Ontario, and they raise a few million dollars every year for cystic fibrosis. So should be a fun trip, and hopefully I'll be able to have a, a little live show from up north there and let you know how the Canadians are doing, see what they're up to. And we'll pull that back into the show later. So what is all this nonsense about the life expectancy declining in the United States? Well, I went to the CDC website, and, uh, you know, they're talking about uh, a drop uh, from 78.7 years expectancy at birth uh, to about 78.6. And so it's, I mean, it's statistically, it's, it's insignificant. It's meaningless. It's, it's uh, you know, less than 1%. And so I think that the whole thing is part of this national drive to put the spotlight on drug overdose deaths and suicides because mental health, as we all know, has been uh, underfunded by the federal government and by a lot of the insurance plans over the decades. Difficulty being that it's costly and uh, the, the rewards, the benefits from it are not always apparent, although the medications for psychiatric illnesses are getting better and there is help uh, for, for people who have mental illness or depression or mood disorders. Uh, there's really not a whole lot you can do about personality disorders at this point in time, and I've talked about that before, but certainly for depression, anxiety, uh, manic depressive illness, schizophrenia, all of these things can be successfully treated with medications and some uh, talk therapy, some guidance therapy. Uh, what about the drug overdoses? Well, this is a tough area because a lot of the people that get into drugs are people with personality disorders. And you'll hear on TV all of the people coming forward and saying, well, if I had had help sooner, if there had been help available, I would have gotten out of this cycle of, addic of addiction sooner. And we know that the, re the relapse rate is extremely high with alcohol and drug abuse. They're tough things to treat because they're, although we call them diseases, there's not a defined pathway that we can point to and say, look, here's the disease process pathway, and we can give you this medication and intervene at this point. We do have medications to help with withdrawal and to decrease the craving, uh, but we still don't have good treatment for personality disorders. And I've been to a number of Alcoholics Anonymous meetings, and the room is filled to the brim with personality disorders. A lot of narcissistic, borderline, uh, sociopathic personality disorders that uh, get hooked on the alcohol or the drugs. So what happens? Well, now that we have this, as we've talked about before, this extremely potent fentanyl that's being manufactured in China legally and then sold to people in Mexico legally or illegally and then brought across the border, the, the poorest border that we have. This is being used by uh, the dealers in the United States to make their heroin more potent or to substitute for heroin because it's a lot cheaper. Uh, it's synthetic. It's not uh, an alkaloid that's extracted from the poppy seed, from the opium. And so uh, it's, it's a, a, a cheap, readily available drug, at least at this point in time. And you're 
you're talking about street pharmacists who are not trained, so they may cut too much or too little into the mix. And of course, they're going to err on the side of more rather than less so they don't lose their customers. So then people shoot this stuff up and then they're dead immediately uh, because of the potency of the, of the fentanyl and the, uh, the synthetic drugs that are coming onto the street. Here's what happens. The respiratory center in the brain is, is turned off. So you're unconscious and you're not breathing and you die unless somebody's right there to give you the antidote and to help you breathe, give you artificial respirations. Uh, so this, this is a problem. Uh, and this and suicides are the two things that, according to the CDC, are dragging down our life expectancy as a nation. Well, you know, you got to really look at the subsets, and you also have to look at how the statistics are being manipulated in order to uh, come to the conclusion that the life expectancy is dropping. The number of people who die from heart disease, which is the number one killer, is going down. Uh, cancer deaths are going down. Uh, injury deaths are, are still kind of fluctuating, but uh, we're seeing a drop in, in deaths from a, a number of diseases that we're all familiar with, respiratory problems like emphysema and asthma, strokes, uh, Alzheimer's, diabetes, influenza and pneumonia, kidney disease, all these things are and have been gradually going down, especially heart disease and heart attacks, deaths from heart attacks and strokes. We have better uh, preventative medications. We have better treatment. So we have to stop and say to ourselves, is this, is this a real phenomena that the longevity, the life expectancy of Americans is dropping? I'm not so sure about that. And I think that the numbers are being manipulated and I think they're being manipulated for a specific purpose, which is to shine light on these psychiatric problems of uh, drug abuse and drug overdose and suicides, which have been going up. And by the way, suicides are going up in older people, people over 75. Now, we all know that the definition of suicide is to take one's life intentionally and this is a determination that we have to make oftentimes after the fact. So we have to look at the person who died from the overdose or from a uh, gunshot wound or from hanging or whatever. And I think some things are, are fairly obvious uh, when you have someone in, in the household say, I'm going to kill myself. And they go in the next room and blow their brains out. Yeah, I think it's pretty clear that that's a suicide. But there are other things that are not so apparent. And one, one thing I can point to is this Epstein uh, death in the, in the prison up in New York City. And I'm still struggling with, although the coroner said that it was a suicide, I'm still struggling with the fact that he broke his cervical uh, vertebrae, his C2, the second cervical vertebrae, which usually happens when you're dropped as you're being hung from the gallows uh, with a noose around your neck and a knot in the back, and it snaps that uh, that bone, the the little protrusion that comes off of that cervical vertebrae, and uh, that that's what gets you right away. 
and he had a C2 fracture. He had a cervical fracture. So I'm, I'm wondering how on earth do you do that by laying on the floor with the noose or the rope tied around your neck and tied to the bedpost? Yeah, you can, you can kill yourself that way. Uh, you cut off the blood flow to your brain if you, if you have it tight enough and you put enough body weight on it. And then after the brain uh, becomes unconscious, you slump and more weight is put on the, on the noose. And that will then constrict your airway and you'll suffocate. But how do you break a cervical vertebrae by laying on the floor? So we have to stop and ask ourselves, are all suicides suicides? Uh, there are certainly gray areas. And we, if we find somebody who went out in a shack on their own and uh, we go out there two weeks later because we haven't heard from them, and we know that there's nobody around and the doors are all locked and the alarm's set and you go in and you find the guy hanging from the rafters of, of the cabin. Well, I mean, you can pretty well surmise that he committed suicide, but I think there are some gray areas. So we got to take a little bit of this with a grain of salt. We also have to say to ourselves, uh, are, or should, uh, drug related deaths be counted as uh, a decrease in the lifespan, the longevity, the expected lifespan of the average American. Uh, I think that we can look back to previous centuries when infant mortality was so high, you know, 20, 30% of the kids died within the first year. Uh, and of course, that brought the life expectancy way down. And we've all heard that people didn't live past 50 back in 1850 or whatever. And that's not true. Come on. The life expectancy, if you made it out of your first year, was certainly greater than 50 years. And it, if you made it to adolescence, it was going to be even greater. So I, I think that all of this is statistical. Uh, we, we have to look at the subsets and we have to say to ourselves, uh, are we in relatively good health? Or are we abusing drugs or alcohol? Uh, are we smoking or are we following the doctor's orders and taking our blood pressure medicine and our statins and our cholesterol meds and our diabetic meds and, and all of the other things, blood pressure meds that we're supposed to be taking or keeping ourselves in good shape and exercising. And I think that if we're following the guidelines that we're going to have overall a long life, I, I think that there are certain things that we can't help certain genetic phenomena like diabetes mellitus that are going to shorten our life, but even a lot of diabetics are living much longer than they used to. So I'm not, uh, I'm not too worried about this. And I, I would not let the press scare me about this. It just doesn't seem to be worth all of the anxiety. And of course, the liberal press is who's uh, bantering this about, you know, the Washington Post and the New York Times are the ones who are bringing all this out. They don't tell you, though, that the life expectancy has decreased from 78.7 to 78.6 years. So uh, that's one month difference. And this is a crisis in the United States. And it's not even related to those of us who are not doing drugs. So uh, I think we got to take it with, with, with a big grain of salt, big grain of salt. And I'm not going to spend too much more time on that because I want to move on to and we'll probably have to take this past the break, uh, so we'll do it in two parts. Uh, as you know, I'm 
outspoken and I'm inquisitive and I like to talk to people. And uh, several weeks ago when uh, Justin Trudeau was shown having gone to parties with blackface, I did a show on blackface. And prior to the show I had talked to, as many of you know, people at the hospital, uh, white, black, uh, doctors, nurses, and I talked with or tried to talk to one of the women who worked in food services. And she apparently was very offended and said, no comment, no comment. And I thought, well, you know, maybe I upset her, but I guess she'll get over it. Hopefully she'll listen to the show and understand what we're talking about. She did not. She filed a complaint uh, against me uh, that I made racist comments, which I didn't. And so I got a call from the uh, chief medical officer and he said, Bill, you know, blah, 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 blah. And this is what came up. And since I was sitting there, I knew that you meant that, uh, with, with no malintent and that you were researching for your radio show. And I told everybody at the meeting that, uh, no action should be taken and that I would just call you and let you know and say, you know, watch who you discuss things with because some people uh, may not have the insight into current events or the uh, the emotional reserve to talk about these things. And, and I understand that. And I felt very bad that I had offended this, this woman who worked in the kitchen. And I really like her. She's really a good soul. She's a hard worker and uh, just a, a real nice person. And, you know, I've, I've lost a friend. Hopefully I can write her a letter and, and get back in her good stead and we can continue our relationship. But uh, th that has precipitated a whole number of ideas in my head about how to handle false accusations at work and rumors and innuendos. And how do you do that? I mean, this, this is a tough, tough problem because things can get out of hand in a hurry. And as we know, now that the women have entered the workforce in greater numbers, there's a, a lot more complaints. Uh, there's a lot more uh, misunderstandings, of course, there's going to be between the sexes. And as we all know, uh, it, it's, it's not easy to, to edit what we say all the time. I mean, there are times when we're going to be joking with the guys or the gals and something's going to be said that's going to offend somebody, or we're going to be discussing current events and somebody will walk into the middle of it and become offended. And, and, you know, I see a lot of this over Trump, uh, in the lunchroom all the time. I see a, a lot of the, of the liberal people in the room cringe, uh, or they'll put their head down. I can see their faces, uh, getting angry when they hear us hear some of the guys talking about Trump or uh, whatever, or about conservative views and ideas and closing the border. And, uh, it, you know, it, it's fortunately it's, uh, usually nurse practitioner levels, um, doctors, nurse anesthetists who are in the room so that there's at least uh, some education as to how to behave when you're in that community, when you're in the enclosure of what we hope is uh, a private area, a break from the day uh, uh, from the hospital and patients and uh, the nurses and the floor workers. 
it's something that's necessary for for all of us. We all need a break during the day to get away from everything, and and that's why we have mandated breaks and we have lunch breaks, and and I think they're good things, and I'm 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 happy to give my employees that. Uh, I think they come back refreshed and they work harder. So everybody needs that little bit of of time away from and needs to feel that they're in a safe place where they can talk uh, and joke or talk politics or religion or whatever, have debates. And, uh, you know, because I get sick of talking about medicine all the time. I mean, uh, I, I love it and I enjoy what I do, but I need a little bit of respite. I need to clear my mind. And, and I love talking, as you know, as you guys are well aware of, I love talking about politics and social issues and religion and science and all the things that, that make us who we are, all the cultural, intellectual, and emotional events in our lives that make us human and make us an interactive species. And, and that's fun for me. I, I really enjoy it. So at any rate, I've, I've made an enemy. Hopefully I can heal that. And unfortunately, it, it opens up that, that piling on uh, attitude. And it's not just the women that do that. The guys will do that too. And I've been in, in meetings where a doctor has something brought up bad about him. And all of a sudden, everybody's jumping on him uh, and saying he's a bad guy and he did this. And, oh, you know, he did that. And the innuendos and the accusations start flying. And, and of course, this brought up another thing. And the administrator said, well, I heard that he sent an appropriate text to the, to some of the residents, which is not true. Uh, but, uh, that's what she said. And somebody said, well, did you see them? And no, but I heard about it. Okay. So now, now we've got the same situation that the president is in. Uh, you've got Adam Schiff and, uh, Nadler and Nancy Pelosi making up things and stretching things that they heard Trump said or did, which he did not say or do. And so now we're in the same place. We're being accused. We're being uh, hung with innuendos. And this is not a good thing. It's not a good thing for you or me or anybody to go through this, whether it's the president or somebody who's at work as a secretary or a doctor or a nurse or a kitchen worker, you know, being accused falsely and having these kinds of innuendos and rumors started uh, is distressing. It can be traumatizing, especially when there's no, nothing to it, when, when it's without merit. So you feel like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm, my whole world is in a tailspin. Am I going to lose my job? Uh, are people going to talk to me? What should I do? And then there's more people looking at you and judging everything you say and do. And yeah, you know, I heard him say that too. And it reminds me of the old game we played as kids called telephone. I don't know if you remember this, Ken. We used to get the get in a big circle. We'd get eight or 10 people and you'd whisper something, a phrase like uh, your mother's cute or, you know, you've got pink booties on and you'd whisper to your friend sitting next to you and then he'd whisper to the next person and it'd go around and it, until it came back. And by the time it got back to the person who initiated it, it was a completely different, different uh, phrase sure, or yeah. sentence. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure you, you played that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and today with Facebook and all that, it becomes such a, a way oh, yeah. of, of 
lies sometimes. You can't stop it. And so not only do we have to be careful what we say and do at work, but we also have to be careful what we say and do about other people at work. And uh, I think that the first thing that we, we do is we get angry when we hear something like this said about us. But the, the important thing is to keep calm. And you say, well, how do you do that? Well, first of all, we, we have to realize that when we're confronted with something that's distressing, we're going to release adrenaline. And adrenaline's going to make our heart race. It's going to give us a, a fight or flight reaction. It's going to uh, dilate the blood vessels in our muscles so we feel pumped up. And uh, it's going to uh, change our mood. And it's going to put us in a defensive position. Our mouth gets dry. Uh, these are normal physiologic reactions to adrenaline. Well, what do you do? Well, Adrenaline has a very short half-life when injected into a vein. It's only about two or three minutes. Uh, when it's released internally by the adrenal glands, which sit on top of the kidneys, we're talking about uh, several minutes to 15 minutes. So what I tell people is give yourself at least 15 minutes and even better, 30 minutes. Go somewhere, walk it off. You know, just like a racehorse coming out of a race, you got to hot walk it and wait for the adrenaline to be processed out of your system. And then you can calm yourself down and start looking at it in a more rational manner. Stay calm. No matter how upset we are, we got to stay calm because if we let our emotions get in the way, then we lose our ability to rationalize and to do what we're supposed to do, which is be professional and uh, confront these things with grace and dignity and intellect and not with emotion, because we don't want to fall down into the trap that the people who made these allegations have fallen into, that they're, they're reacting emotionally. Well, you know what? I heard him say something, too. Oh, yeah, when? And I saw a text he sent. Oh, yeah, where? Show me the documentation. So don't get mad. Don't retaliate. And don't throw accusations back at the accuser. Don't be a preteen boy on the playground who says, I did not, you did too. And all of a sudden you're in a fist fight. And if you're a good person and you've done your, your job well over the years, uh, your boss, your, uh, your supervisor, your HR investigator, all the people that know you and that you have worked with, uh, are going to be rational most of the time. And they're going to say, well, let's take a look at this. And so what do we do? Well, we, we cooperate with the investigation. When the, uh, when the chief medical officer called me and he said, Bill, I, you know, I want to talk to you. I said, sure. You know, what's up? And when he told me that the kitchen worker was upset, I told him, I said, you know, I realized after it was over that she was upset and I felt really bad about it. And, you know, I wanted to apologize. And he said, well, I don't think that's the thing to do now. It's a little late. But, uh, and I said, you know, he said, I know I was sitting there. I didn't think that you were uh, malicious or uh, racist in any way. You were actually just curious. And that curiosity, uh, well, it killed the cat. So I guess I should know that. But I think that the downside is that uh, I've, I've hurt somebody's feelings and it was brought to the administration's attention and it became somewhat of an issue. And, of course, the administrator is female, and she's very sensitive about 
bias in the workplace, about gender bias or racial bias or whatever, and she's made comments to uh, the chief operating officer about comments that she heard when they were interviewing people that she didn't like and wanted to fire somebody right on the spot. And the chief operating officer said, hey, you know, come on, let's let's think about this. I don't think it was meant in any any malicious way. Uh, so we, we, we have to stop and consider who we're dealing with and we want to cooperate. We want to know the documentation of, of all the details. So once somebody's made an accusation against you, it's essential, it's necessary that you stop and you start writing down what happened. As you recall it, honestly, write down every detail. So if if somebody says, well, you called me a no good, low down, dirty, rotten son of a mother, and I'm offended, and I'm not going to take that from you, then you need to go back to that point in time and start writing down the conversation that you had. Was it really said that way? Was it said in jest? Or were you angry? What were your feelings at that time? Who else was around? Fortunate, fortunately for me, the chief medical officer was sitting at the lunch table with me. And he was curious, too. You know, it's just natural. I think that we're far enough along in the uh, integration of the races in the United States that we can have some open conversations. I mean, for God's sakes, we had a black president. Well, he says he's black. His mother was white. So you go figure that out. People of color, I think, is what uh, is what they refer to themselves as now. And even the Indian guys from Asian Indians uh, at the lunch table, they call themselves people of color. So they're certainly, uh, by the way, they're not, they're, they're Caucasians. I mean, I, you know, we're all colored, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not white, white. I'm, I'm kind of, uh, kind of, uh, ochre colored, beigey. I don't know how you want to describe it. And my son is darker complected. My wife has more of an olive skin being, uh, uh, a Korean. And so, I mean, I don't, I don't, I understand the people of color, but I don't think that that's really uh, appropriate at this point in time in, in, in our evolution as a, as a society and as a culture. So I think that it is time that we start asking questions and talking to each other about this. Unfortunately, uh, there are sensitivities as we've discussed before, and, and I should have been more aware uh, but by the same token, this might be an opportunity to open a conversation on something of that sensitivity level with people who have not had that um, opportunity or that uh, ability to talk about these things in the past. So offer supporting evidence and make sure that you talk to anybody who was there and witnessed it and ask them what their take was on it and write it down. And remember that this person who you're talking to who was a witness to it, to your face may be your ally, but you don't know what's being said behind your back. So make sure you're very careful and be very diplomatic about how you question and phrase things and make sure you document it. Mind your body language. If you cross your arms and look down and scowl, uh, you know, you're going to be seen as being defensive. And if you're seen as being defensive, People are going to say, hmm, maybe he does have something to hide. Maybe he did do something wrong. Maybe he did mean something racial about it. So watch your body language. 
relax. Again, take 30 minutes after the incident before you do anything and let that adrenaline wear off. And then when you go and sit down to talk to your supervisor or your HR work person or a, a coworker that's a confidant or your boss, uh, you know, put your hands in your lap, uh, sit straight up and look them in the eye, smile. And remember, a smile breaks up a lot of tension and ice anywhere in the world. And make sure that your feet are not pointing down, that you're not curling your toes. So what I do is when I'm in a, a tense situation is I will stretch my fingers, my hands, and my toes in my jaw. You know, I'll open my jaw as wide as I can and stretch and try to get those body parts relaxed because those are the parts that people are going to see. That's what they're going to notice is what are you doing with your eyes, with your mouth, with your hands, and with your feet? So mind your body language. And uh, sit up straight. Keep your shoulders back. Don't shrug over. Don't cross your arms. Don't cross your legs and, and hunch over and, and look like you're in distress. What if it gets out of hand? What if by some chance uh, a formal complaint is filed and that this goes to HR and then it goes to the administration and it goes to the review committees and all of a sudden you're in all kinds of hot water. And so now what do you do? Well, you've exhausted all the avenues and opportunities that are available to you within the organization that you work for. So now you got to seek legal counsel, legal advice, but you don't start making threats like I'm going to sue you for defamation of character. You go for legal advice to find out what your options are and how to handle it. And this is especially true with really uh, high-level accusations like gross misconduct, uh, theft, sexual abuse. Uh, these are all big deals uh, that can not only get you fired, but if you stole from the company, you can be charged with a, with a crime. So you got to protect yourself and your job as best as you can. And so you want to go for advice and counseling. And there are lawyers who specialize in this type of law in workplace law, and they'll guide you through the process. And I think a, a good lawyer will first try to resolve this without doing any, anything legally, without taking any legal action. Um, he'll try to counsel you on how to handle it and see if, if there can be some mediation between you and your employer, the workplace. And, and if that doesn't work, then you may have to uh, defend yourself legally. And so you need a lawyer who is in, in, in specializing in that aspect of law, employment law. And along with legal advice, you should also talk to somebody you trust who has a lot of common sense to see if they have anything to offer that you have not thought of or your workplace has not thought of. And again, make sure you have a list of people who witnessed the event. Uh, make sure that you have all your documentation in place. And for God's sakes, tell the truth. Be honest. Uh, once you start fudging things a little bit and lying, you're just digging it deeper and deeper. Even if you're right. Even if you're right. If you said it, don't deny it. But if you said it and you didn't mean it the way that the other person took it, then 
that's another story. So you say, yeah, I did say that. And, you know, I didn't realize the effect it would have on that person. I didn't know that they had lost a parent to uh, 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 a, a murder. And so I was joking about, you know, murder. And now they're extremely upset and they're emotionally distraught. And in this day and age, you know, people will say that you caused them great emotional distress for blowing your nose at the dinner table, which, of course, is crude. And uh, we don't like that. But, uh, you know, it's not a crime and it's not a comment against anybody at the table. It's just your nose is running and you're too damn lazy to get up and go blow it in the other room. But that doesn't make it a crime. So be honest. Yes, I blew my nose at the dinner table. I'm sorry. I didn't realize that it would upset so many people in the household I grew up in. That was no big deal. So now you know. And now you know not to blow your nose at the dinner table. Don't hide. Don't run away. Continue to do what you usually do. If you go to lunch in the cafeteria, the employee cafeteria, continue to do that every day and hold your head up. Don't drop off the radar. Don't hide out. It makes you look guilty, makes you look more suspicious. And yes, it's uncomfortable and it's tough going through an investigation. It's tough being accused falsely and it's tough not to get upset. But if you stay calm and you take the high road, you're having, you, you know, we all have a much better chance of making it uh, in, in a crisis situation if we keep our wits about us and take the high road. And, you know, that's true even even in uh, family feuds or divorces or any aspect of life be between two people when there are differences. Uh, if you take the high road and you don't get petty and you, and you don't start pointing fingers back at that person, and I tell this to patients all the time when I hear couples arguing, and they'll use the word you. And I say, if you say you to your wife, I guarantee you, She's not going to be happy. <laughs> you know, she's going to be upset. She's going to be PO'd at you, man. So don't do that. Say, you know, I feel this way. I feel like I'm being put in a bad spot when I hear these words or when I see these actions. But if I say you did this to me and you put me in a bad spot and you made me feel bad, you know what? You're picking a fight, whether you realize it or not. Try to repair the relationships. And I'm going to go grab a cup of Joe, and we'll be right back, and we'll talk about how to repair the relationships when I get back. This is Dr. Bill, your mouthy Radio MD. I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. A U.S. official says a small group of American troops are withdrawing from a base in northern Syria as Turkish forces advance. Today's pullout from the base in the town of Ayn Issa is the second retreat for U.S. troops since the fast-moving Turkish offensive against Syrian Kurdish fighters. Helicopters, boats, and thousands of troops have been deployed across eastern Japan today to rescue people stranded in flooding as the death toll from a ferocious typhoon climbed to at least 19 with a dozen more missing. Public broadcaster NHK says 14 rivers across the nation have flooded, some spilling out in more than one spot. Typhoon Hagibis made landfall south of Tokyo and was downgraded to a tropical storm early today. And voters have denied Louisiana Governor John Bell Edwards the outright primary win he wanted yesterday. He goes to a runoff in November. 
This is SRN News. Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical, located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Full service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical, home of can care, 727 327- 3846411 Hello, this is Dr. Bill Handelman for our good friends at Tampa Bay Imaging. TBI provides state-of-the-art MRI and CT scanning with the lowest radiation possible. Most insurance plans accepted and self-pay rates are very competitive. TBI is conveniently located in Tampa and St. Pete with evening and weekend appointments. So call TBI today or ask your doctor. In Tampa, call 813-386-3674. St. Pete, call 727-545-9674. National competition for your business is eating away at your customer base faster than you can keep up. It's as if they have a back room of digital marketing minions swallowing your customers one by one. And it's not a pretty sight. What if you could beat them with your own minions? You need Salem Surround, a full-service digital agency with all your digital marketing under one roof. When a potential customer searches for your product, do they find your business or the competition? Is your contact information accurate and everywhere it should be to reach today's digital consumer? Does your website have all the right tools to turn visitors into leads? We've got some solutions. Contact Salem Surround for a free evaluation of your digital presence and to help get your message in front of today's digital audience. We'll help deliver customers by putting your business message in the right place at the right time. Don't just invest in a marketing strategy. You need to surround your target audience. Learn more at surroundtampa.com. Surroundtampa.com. Connecting you with new customers. The shadows start to fade as the light slips through the shade. Another morning sneaking in without a sound. Can compare to that first couple folders going down. The best part of waking up is folders in your car. Here is your exclusive AccuWeather forecast. We'll have mostly sunny skies for today. It'll be beautiful with a high of 89. Patchy clouds tonight with a low of 71. Partly sunny and nice tomorrow with a high of 89. Tuesday, mostly sunny with a high of 88. Wednesday will be humid with times of clouds and sunshine. Expect an afternoon shower or thunderstorm, the high 86. That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Drew Shannon for AM860, The Answer. Tell me. 
the situation. Listen, you may be reprimanded. You may be warned. You may be suspended. You may lose your job over something like this. You may be demoted. Uh, you may, you may be uh, moved to another office. And, you know, there's a lot of trauma involved with this. And it's, it's tough now in the workplace because uh, the laws are so uh, complex and the the sensitivities are so heightened. Uh, we've got a lot of integration in the past 50, 60, 70 years. Uh, black and Hispanic Americans are coming into the mainstream. Women have entered the workforce in greater numbers than ever. And so we have a lot of, a lot of uh, different people. There's, there's a lot of uh, variety now in the workplace. There's a lot of, of different uh, sex, race, age, issues have come up and, and we have to be sensitive to these. And at the same time, we have to be realistic. I mean, you know, if somebody cracks a dirty joke, it doesn't mean that they're sexually harassing you. You may not like it and you may say, listen, I don't appreciate that and don't tell that around me, but it doesn't mean that that person has made some sexual advances towards you or has been sexually harassing you. And so we have to look at it on both sides of the coin. And there are people that are just overly sensitive. And we also have to consider them. And we'll caution each other about that in the workplace. Watch out what you say around this doctor or that nurse, uh, or they'll report you, you know, even if you're just kidding around. So try to stay calm. Remember the half-life of adrenaline is two to three minutes. Uh, and if you give it IV, if it's 
excreted within the body. You're talking longer because there's a delay over which it is excreted. So 15 to 30 minutes to allow yourself to calm down, get rid of that fight or flight reaction. Um, this is a survival hormone and it can be helpful. It can also be very deleterious to us if it's uh, acted upon in a setting where it's not appropriate. And remember that adrenaline causes the blood pressure to go up, dries our mouth out, increases our heart rate, uh, increases the output of blood from our heart. It dilates the blood vessels in our muscles so that we are prepared to run or fight. And this is a normal, natural, physiologic response. And as a physician, we're taught to expect this when people are upset and we're taught postures and words and how to handle it to try to calm somebody down. Of course, it doesn't always work, but most of the time it does. And you can learn how to do this yourself. First of all, tell yourself it's okay that it's not the end of the world. <clears throat> Nobody has fired you. Nobody has said that you did this. They're just reporting to you that this accusation has been made and that there may be necessity for you to respond to it. <clears throat> so don't get too far ahead of yourself in the game. Take it one step at a time. When asked about it, uh, present your side with facts and defend yourself. That's certainly appropriate. And uh, understand how these things unfold. Better understand not only who your accuser is, but also the accused, that is yourself. Uh, and understand the situation better to confront the reasons behind those workplace accusations. And I know with me, with my extroverted, uh, highly verbal personality and my inquisitiveness and my, uh, my normal way of dealing with people, is, which is to treat everybody pretty much as equals and not realizing that there are some people that are not at the same intellectual or emotional uh, level or who feel inadequate because they don't make the money I make or they don't have an MD behind their name. And, and I, I forget that at times, you know, I forget that there are differences that are, are, they're not, they're not real differences. They're, they're imagined differences. They're emotional differences. They're people see a doctor and they say, Ooh, he's rich or she's really smart or, you know, I'm not at their level and they treat us a little bit differently, which is nice. And don't get me wrong. I appreciate it. And I say, thank you. But also, I have to remind myself, and people need to remind themselves, that I'm just a human being just like you, and you're a human being like me, and I'm more likely to interact with people at work at all levels as if they were at the same level of interaction as me. That doesn't always work out. You know, there are people that have never interacted at that level and they are confused and they are upset and they don't know whether to take me seriously or to think that I'm uh, trying to sexually or racially or emotionally harass them in some way by discussing some of the things I do. And so you got to be a little bit careful. You got to stop and think about who you're talking to. And so the accused, that is me or you, the person who's in the hot seat needs to take an inventory of their own actions and say, hmm, 
maybe that was not the right place or the right time to talk about that issue. Ask for help. Ask for help from people at work, from your human resources people, from your boss. See if there's some way that the fences can be mended. Uh, if you didn't do anything, uh, and again, take the high road, believe in forgiveness and forget. If you've had someone make an accusation against you, uh, you know, don't carry that anger and that venom around with you. All it'll do is make you trip up again when you're in their presence or in the presence of somebody like them. So you don't want to do that. You want to let go of it because if you get through it and it's decided to be a nothing burger, as this was with my situation, then there's no reason to be upset with the other person. Maybe they've got problems. Maybe they need some sympathy. My dad tells me a story or told me a story. He's been gone a number of years. Uh, a friend of his from medical school who he saw weekly, monthly in the hospitals, uh, he was making rounds uh, at the old uh, children Jewish hospital in Louisville, and this guy passed him in the hallway. My dad would speak to him, and the guy didn't talk to him for weeks. And dad thought, well, that SOB, you know, I've been his friend since medical school. And then the guy committed suicide. So you never know. You never know when somebody else is struggling with something, and maybe they just need a little space and a little time and a little love and a little forgiveness. So keep an open mind and try not to be too uh, judgmental when somebody does make an accusation. And remember that everybody has, well, most people have the potential for change. Try to rebuild that relationship with somebody else. And that's what I'm going to do with my friend uh, in the kitchen who I offended. I feel badly and I'm going to write her a nice letter and let her know that I meant nothing by it. And you can do that too. Uh, before you send that letter, make sure you run it through your supervisor, your boss, anybody who's involved in the situation and, and see, and make sure that they feel it's appropriate and that they are, uh, with you on that. And they see that you're making an effort to, um, to mend the fences. And most importantly is self-esteem. Our own self-esteem is so important because it gives us the ability to not get upset and to be rational and calm, and to keep our sense of humor, and to be upbeat. And so we have to mend our self-esteem, and we have to say, am I a bad person because I did this? Is it wrong to bring up uh, racially charged issues in, in the cafeteria? Are we not far enough along that we can't talk about these things? Isn't it okay to know if somebody is upset or, and offended about uh, Justin Trudeau uh, wearing blackface at a party. I think that this this is certainly appropriate, and uh, I think that we all have to stop and think about where we are in history and what we can and cannot say, and also to realize that maybe some of the things we bring up are okay, and that although there will be some hurt, angry, negative reactions, in the long run it may be helpful. We're getting close to the end of the show here, Ken. And I'm running out of breath. So don't sweat the small stuff, and it's all small stuff. How much time we got left, bud? Oh, we got about 25 seconds left. Are you there? Oh, my God, I think I've been abandoned. No, I think he's here. <laughs> Jeff, you there? I hear you, Ken. I'm here. Oh, there he is. Oh, hey, okay. thank God for that. 
How much time we got left, bud? About 10 seconds now. I guess not much. Have a nice weekend. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.